Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. This year, the conference is taking place June 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2020. We'll interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software projects inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. Welcome to the Mac DevOps podcast. I'm Matt X, your host. Today we are joined by JD and Shauna. How's it going, Shauna? Awesome. Just great. D? Amazing. No technical difficulties at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had it so dialed in last week, and now Yay. this week we've added Discord, 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 Discord. We are joined today by our lovely guests, beautiful, shiny, and radiant Michael Lynn. Lynn, Lynn, <laughs> Lynn, Lynn. <laughs> Bugger, Mikey, Mikey, God of the Sun. How are you? <laughs> uh, doing real well. Uh, very happy to be here and to, to be able to participate. Um, God of the Sun is a bit of a stretch, uh, but uh, I'll take the rest. Is that because it's raining in Olympia these days? Yeah, Washington State's generally not a a, a, a sun location in general, but um, it, it is raining today. Yes, today is rain in Vancouver. It's been very hot and sunny, but today we got no sun, no sun, lots of rain. Ah, uh, the garden. How is your garden, Michael? Um, mostly unattended to, uh, criminally so. Um, Have you been outside? We, uh, technically, yes. Uh, <laughs> not as much as I probably should be, given that uh, right now everybody is more cooped up inside than even normal circumstances. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I've been encouraging the kids to go outside. Um, but myself, maybe not so much. <laughs> uh, what would you do outside? Would you look after your flock of llamas? What kind of animals do you have outside? Um, or are they only inside? Outside at this point, um, we have pretty much reduced our uh, flock down to the last outdoor livestock that we had was... Uh, we, we had several ducks, which eventually ended up being one duck left because we had some rather uh, hungry uh, predators in the area, unfortunately. Uh, that last duck, we made the decision to migrate them to uh, my folks' place, who lives uh, relatively close by. And they are now uh, very happy over there. So outdoors, I think the only animals we have left are a couple of goldfish in an outdoor uh, like a water tank. Uh, with like lily pond uh, water set up on it. Uh, all the rest of the uh, menagerie are inside. Nice. So inside, cooped up, you have several children, no chickens, no ducks, but you may have some snakes. Uh, we've got a snake, a lizard, uh, two stick bugs, um, hamster, uh, three dogs, three cats, um, uh, two birds, uh, fish. Uh, we got a lot. Uh, trying to remember all the rest at this point. 
That's I almost awesome. don't know all your roommates. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't I don't remember your name right this second, but if I keep going here, I'll get to it eventually. Goals. I have a cat and a dog, but want some type of reptile, so I'm in the market. I'll do some research, <laughs> but if you know of anything, let me know. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, like growing up, we had a lot of pets, and uh, it was funny when I met my wife, Lynn, uh, she, uh, she basically was like, do you realize that if we get married here that I'm going to want to have like a ton of animals and stuff like that. And I was like, have you met my mom? Because she basically, we, I, I lived on a farm growing up. Um, they've got straight up ducks and chickens and a pig and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and, and so it's just kind of carried over into regular, um, daily household life of my own. Um, we had lizards growing up, snakes, you name it, we had something. And uh, so we've uh, definitely not um, discouraged our children from from exploring what they want for pets. Uh, the snake, for instance, is a ball python named Sulu. Uh, very nice uh, snake. I love Sulu. Uh, he is actually Byron's uh, uh, pet. And uh, so um, not all of them are specifically our pets per se. Some of them are now the, the kids' pets that they are responsible for and take care of. Possible to love a snake? Oh yeah, Sulu's so awesome. <laughs> he is the coolest. Like, I, it I, of all the pets that we have, the ones that I thought at first that I wouldn't necessarily like dig as much or like as much were some of our most recent additions, which were the walking leaf insects that we have, um, that we actually got um, uh, before all of this sort of lockdown uh, from uh, my sister's coworker down in um, Oregon. Um, she was like, yeah, he's got these cool um, stick bug insects. Uh, and my daughter, um, Fiona, is just mad about insects in all shapes and forms. We have a lot of visual encyclopedias with pictures of all the different kinds of animals. And she takes every effort to stop exactly on the pages with some of the ookiest looking insect whatever's on there and point out how great they are and how she wants them. And um, she found the stick, stick bugs at one point and was very sure that that's what she wanted. And so uh, my sister's uh, coworker he bred that he had all sorts of insects, including uh, walking leaf insects. And uh, we got a couple of them from him. And I wasn't sure at first that that I would like, they're really alien looking like th their limbs aren't all the same length. And they're just, they're so crazy of an animal. And now I, I, they're probably one of my favorite pets in the house outside of like some of our cats or something like that, just because they're so cool to like see them, how they move and all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, uh, all, the, all the pets in our house, I think are great. I, in fact, probably the one that I'm um, least fond of is our hamster of all things. <laughs> 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 Mostly because uh, she was just not, um, uh, she hasn't got a lot of enough attention to be um, uh, very uh, handling friendly, but m my son Byron is going through training her right now. 
to be really uh, receptive and kind to being picked up and stuff like that. Like out of all the things, the cuddliest, cutest little thing that most people think of is actually the one that I'm probably the least fond of in our house. So they don't like to be cuddled? They like hate being picked up? Oh, uh, our, our hamster, um, She we've mostly left her to her own uh, devices in her cage. And as a result, she's not really fond if you want to try and pick her up and cuddle her. Um, a lot of animals are not that way by default. They, they require actual handling and attention. Um, Lynn's going through that right now with our two birds that we have. We have a, a sun conure who is a beautiful rainbow colored, looks like a miniature parrot basically, like orange, yellow, green, blue, all the colors of the rainbow on the feathers. And um, he, uh, when we got him initially, he would be willing to climb up on top of your finger and, and let you hold him. Uh, but we haven't been able to give him enough tension lately to stay friendly to that. We're reversing that now uh, with treats and training and, um, uh, and Lynn's following some online videos about how to teach your birds to be friendly and receptive and all that kind of stuff. And it's amazing. She just taught him the other day how to like uh, do a spinning trick for like a treat response and stuff like that. So basically any pet will gladly be friendly to you as long as you are willing to pay attention to it and take care of it. Uh, and we, we just, um, sometimes you got a lot of other stuff going on in life and it's hard to be able to, to keep up with that, especially when you got as many as we do. <laughs> oh, so they're kind of like people. You have to be warm to them to get warmness back. I usually don't ask people to like, you know, if I can test them right away, but. <laughs> um, my kids have notably told me that there's two periods in their life. Uh, the sad period before we got a cat a couple months ago, and now the happy period now that they have a cat. So <laughs> our lives were despair and sadness and dark clouds. And now it's happy because we have a black cat that we adopted. So. Yes, Getty the cat, named after Getty Lee from Rush. Very nice. Now the kids are happy. I don't have. Some of our animal names are unique and odd, not because it's some obscure person, but it's because we let our youngest, Fiona, actually choose the names. And we have no idea where she picks these names from uh, at times. And so. Um, like we have a fish named Tony. We don't know who Tony is or why he's named Tony. He's just Tony because that's what Fiona said his name was. Um, so I, I don't have good understanding of the, the mental workings of, of my four-year-old quite yet to, to understand the reasoning for the names of some of our animals. Um, but uh, a few of them, um, uh, like uh, our cat, our youngest cat, Mac, um, uh, we did end up um, calling him that uh, kind of, you know, because Mac ends up playing a large part of many of our lives here. So uh, we do have a couple stories for some of them, but other ones is just like, I have no idea why, but that's the name that she chose. So that's the name that we're going to go with. I thought the fish was called Wanda. <laughs> oh, that's a movie. Sorry. Bad reference. For your kids with uh, spiders. Spiders. Um, spiders is daddy's responsibility to handle them. Um, yeah. Uh, spiders are immediately located and pointed out to daddy so that daddy can deal with them. 
they are not a pet material in this household. Same in my house. <laughs> my daughter doesn't like to speak to me too often. She's a teenager, but she does come to me and says, spider. <laughs> and I have to go and locate the spider, remove the spider. And, and then our interaction is over until the next time. <laughs> a great working relationship. They say you're never really seven feet away, further from a spider. So there's always a spider within seven feet of you. With the number of them that I've seen in this house, I I would absolutely believe it. Yeah, and yeah, is that a, what is that spot on the wall behind you? Better on the wall? (laughs) The other way. Like higher up behind you? No, the other other shoulder. I'm about to start screaming. We have to kill it <laughs> or remove it. Probably remove it. Yeah. Someone. I would I mean, freak out and like throw a shoe until I like was able to get it far enough away from me. The the largest spiders. I try not to tell my kids if I find them. The ones that you know have sizable legs. The other ones are just little tiny. <laughs> ah, spider removal relocation. Like Australia, you know. If, if they make an audible noise when they fall off the wall and hit the ground, that's how you know it's a big spider. Yeah, that's a big spider. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like Got chills. <laughs> have you seen tarantulas, like in person? No, I don't think so. They live in holes in the ground or in the side of hills or something. Remember we uh, went to Costa Rica. Oh yeah. Oh, that they probably have a lot of spiders there. I remember like a guide pointing out to a hole in the hill, and it's like that's where they are. And so like you you sort of lean in, and then you're like, oh yeah, they're there. Yes, <laughs> do not lean in too close. When I was visiting family down in Florida, um, we were taking a tour in uh, the swampland areas down there. Uh, very, very. Uh, there was a tour as a family reunion uh, type get together, and uh, the tour guide was pointing things out and said, "Over there are some spotters." And, spotters. And one of uh, my aunt was like, "Is that a bird? What What is it that we're looking for?" He's like, "No, big spotters over there with the legs, right there." <laughs> she couldn't <laughs> quite get through the accent what she was hearing. I actually, my cat just walked in and laid right in front of me. Uh, they do. They know you're on the computer, so it's time for them to assert dominance. Any minute now, he's going to start getting in the camera. That's what he does. A couple weeks ago, I found the cat sitting on my lap. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that He sat on my laptop, and I was like, what? What are you doing? And I'm like, you powered it off with your butt? It's like... I don't know how that was possible. I don't know if it was a heat issue or they managed to actually get the power button, which is remarkable. I'm sure it was intentional. Cats are amazing. I'm sure it was intentional. (laughs) He's probably hungry. That's what they do. Oh, Oh, you're not feeding me? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're busy? You think you're busy. Yeah. You're done. So your kids are, uh, are used to being homeschooled, right, Mike? Yeah. Um, our youngest is still not quite, um, uh, uh, 
kindergarten age yet. She's sort of entering into that. So she hasn't really been through any school system opportunities at all. Um, but um, my middle daughter, uh, Penny, um, she is on the spectrum. And we uh, made a decision sort of early in her education that we could actually better um, meet her needs uh, doing homeschooling. And then um, Byron, we actually gave him the choice. Uh, he was actually attending public school locally, uh, whether he wanted to also um, join uh, Penny doing homeschooling. And uh, he said, yeah, I'd like to give it a shot. And uh, he's stuck with it so far. Uh, so for us, with sort of all the situation stuff going on right now, um, amazingly, the most major change, because uh, a lot of what I do for a living ends up being uh, having conversations with people, the main difference for me has been um, uh, whether I'm doing it remotely, video like this, or over the phone or whatever, or in person and just there's just less in person. So like from a home family life type scenario, um, the major change for us has been just less travel for me. Um, so it's been um, kind of nice in that regard. And, uh, uh, but unfortunately for our children, uh, it's been um, non-interruption as far as their schooling goes. Oh, look, we did uh, homeschooling and look, now we're doing homeschooling. Like it's still status quo as far as it goes for them. They don't really get a break there, unfortunately. Ah, so I, the adjustment must be a little bit easier. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, I'm sure my kids would much rather that, you know, school be closed for the rest of the year uh, as far as they're concerned. Um, but uh, no, they still have their daily lessons and everything like that. My kids have started online school and the older one in high school, it's been quite busy, maybe half the hours of, of her normal school, but it's quite busy, like four classes a day. The younger one has one class and they're both doing Zoom and Microsoft Teams. It's a odd combination, but it works. Yeah, uh, for our kids, they had, in addition to their homeschooling, they had um, uh, external activities, um, gym, um, music lessons, things like that. And some of those, the, the gym, not so much, but like music lessons, yeah, they'll, they'll do like a video session with their teacher and we'll still do the music session uh, remotely, which has been interesting because from a scheduling standpoint, sometimes we just have to be like, Byron has to do his drum lessons. Is it okay if he does that right now? Or are you in the middle of something like that? And uh, and it, it works out. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the um, extensive adoption of video stuff right now is um, pretty amazing. Um, the, the number of people, uh, it's, it's odd for me cause just it's normal for my, for what I do, but for everybody else coming into it, like, uh, they're like how, you know, it's, it can be intense, right? We're just talking over video, but you're, uh, you're sort of, um, you're, you're on and you, you, you may be doing something like I'm doing where you're wearing headphones and after hours of it, if you're not used to it, uh, it can physically wear on you. Um, I know we've had to do like specific custom headphones with uh, like the headband that rests for the kids over the top of their head uh, because uh, there's some lessons where they need to have a little microphone and doing in-ear stuff like this. While I prefer them, 
uh, they're not used to it. And so um, it can, it, it's really interesting to see all of this kind of evolve for um, uh, widespread adoption and usage of it. People are like, wow, this is actually kind of tough to do well and do right. And it's like, yeah. It is. <laughs> I mean, for, for some of the kids that are used to going to school and having that social element, uh, it's, it's maybe a bit nice to see their, their uh, classmates on a Zoom call or uh, just some familiar faces, though they've had to learn some lessons like no chatting, like uh, no chatting about things you don't want recorded into the class Zoom into. <laughs> so you have to have a back channel or another channel. But uh, before classes started, my youngest, uh, I set up a Minecraft server for her. And, and we were talking about this before, Michael. And uh, that was really helpful. She would be on FaceTime with her friends and then chatting as well in Minecraft. And definitely before school started, it was nice to be able to talk to her friends again and have a way to, to, to get together. Uh, you were helping because you posted about you were trying to solve a problem of, of getting your daughter on the iPad to join the uh, Java Minecraft server. So I appreciate you uh, blogging and sharing your knowledge as usual. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm happy to have the opportunity to do something like that uh, today. I mean, I really, I really just enjoy helping in general. Uh, but yeah, man, that was um, uh, Fiona is she's right at that a sort of explosion of vocab, like it's everything is gelling finally and coming together. Her, um, her uh, sensory motor stuff is like going like gangbusters. And so she has an iPad that she plays Minecraft on and she can fully navigate in 3D on that thing, understands where she is, the conceptually what she's doing, like that she's looking around in a three-dimensional space and is fully capable of building uh, structures, constantly making buildings, uh, being extremely creative with what she's doing, and even um, uh, imitating and uh, making um, modifications to how she sees other kids playing Minecraft, because her um, older brother and sister, as well as myself and even her uncle, we, we all love playing uh, Minecraft, but uh, I grew up playing the computer version of it, the Java-based edition of it. And that's what I enjoy because you can also um, modify it add, it, add mods onto it to do more than what the base game is capable of doing. And um, uh, so I, I'm very comfortable with sort of playing from a computer, from a keyboard standpoint. And uh, I'm not, I'll, I'll fully admit, I am not, um, that quick on the draw with the uh, mobile touch-based interface for it. And it's a separate edition of Minecraft. They don't actually cross-play with each other. So when I found that project that basically proxies the two protocols together, uh, I, heck yeah, I wanted everybody to know about this because I was sure I was not the only uh, parent out there dealing with a household full of uh, mixed camps of Minecraft players, the ones that wanted to play the Java edition and the ones that wanted to play the Bedrock Edition, which is basically uh, everything you find on a mobile device or on the consoles and stuff like that. Uh, and it works really well, uh, surprisingly well. I can sit there playing on the computer uh, and uh, Fiona can join right in and we can collaboratively uh, look at, build things, explore, play together on there, and she has a blast. Uh, and for me, it's great because um, uh, having my hand, having hands like this up with thumbs up and hands up to use a touch-based interface 
versus uh, down in a resting position on a keyboard, uh, playing with a trackpad and keyboard uh, is easier for me to do long-term. And Fiona just wants to play and play and play for like hours. And I can actually outlast her if I'm playing from a computer uh, versus if I'm on mobile, I give up way before she's willing to give up. <laughs> um, I'm anxiously awaiting part two of your blog post. You were teasing ah, yes. some new facts and discoveries in in Twitter, I think. Yeah, in the initial setup that I did, um, I knew that it was possible um, to play on the computer edition. You normally need a paid account to do that. The mobile edition, you buy the app and you can play the game without having a Minecraft account. Um, they use Xbox Live for the sign-in system for that. But when you want the two of them to play together, you need an extra account normally for the mobile editions. Um, but uh, I saw in the documentation that it was in theory possible to uh, do that without buying an extra account uh, and, and just um, connect them for free, basically. And unfortunately, the initial version of my instructions, I didn't have a way of doing that. And I do need to update those instructions with how to do that without having to buy an additional um, Minecraft Java account. You've always been uh, good about sharing your knowledge. I'm sure that's how we met originally. You're always solving people's problems on Twitter with a, a dash <laughs> of Python, a dashing <laughs> Pythonista. Yeah, uh, I think uh, in some extent, to some extent, uh, I still try to do that on Twitter, maybe less on the, the Python side of things, although on the Mac admin Slack and whatever, I'm still hanging out on the Python channel, talking Python questions. Still my favorite language to play around with. Um, it's just that uh, the, uh, you know, as things change, the capability to do stuff, uh, Python 2, the last version of it, literally just shipped the other day feels kind of like uh, a momentous occasion. Uh, it's the, the the version of Python I sort of grew up loving and knowing. But uh, fortunately, in many of the, the Mac admins open source projects, they've uh, adopted and sort of moved on to converting tooling over to be Python 3 based. So uh, life continues on. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's still a little part of me where it's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, all we can count on is change. <laughs> that yeah, that's the only constant, really. Um, we were talking with uh, Tim Sutton recently about uh, Python as well, and he's going to give uh, a chat at at uh, Mac DevOps about uh, Python. So uh, we look forward to that. Yeah, me too. Totally. Uh, yeah, uh, Tim. Uh, Tim's awesome. I'm glad to uh, that. that uh, uh, I don't know whether he was able to do that on, he just recently made his job change announcement. I don't know if, I don't remember whether he was able to actually say that on the podcast or not. Um, but uh, he- uh, I can't remember, I'm, but he did just announce it, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked to, to see what he has to talk about because uh, for a lot of the stuff that uh, I see people do with Python, um, there are some people who are using it basically they just want to use it like bash it's just the language that they use instead of bash and for other people uh they get what like myself they we like to get wild and crazy with it and i know tim's capable of doing that so i'm really excited to see what he has to say i get very excited and enthusiastic and it's an attractive quality and it, you glow like the sun <laughs> i'm going to keep going with that metaphor um
I, w- I was going to ask about the uh, fact that uh, Python is no longer going to be included in the operating system and, and the, the Swift Python war, right? Battle, war, something like that. What are your thoughts? Oh, my personal thoughts on that? Um, my, my real thoughts on that are um, uh, uh, the way I have used Python has always been pushing it to its limit. Um, I don't just use Python. I usually use PyObjective-C, which allows me to use native APIs to do things that Python can't do on its own. Um, but the challenge with that is that the copy of Objective, PyObjective-C that's always come with macOS is several versions behind. Um, right. and, and so the utility of it was sort of limited in a lot of ways. You had to add do a lot of extra legwork to make it really uh, impactful. Um, whereas with um, Swift, uh, it is a native API for the operating system. And so it has access right away to everything with no extra tricks. But it is a, um, it's a learning curve. Um, it's, it's definitely, Python is uh, the type system mostly hides out of the way. If you want to set variable x to a number over here and set it to a, a string over here, it'll let you do that. Have fun. Enjoy. But if you want to do a similar thing in Swift, it'll yell at you that you're mixing your, your apples and your oranges together here and, and you, you need to pay attention. You can't do that. Um, right. And that things like that can be a real hiccup to sort of learning Swift. But syntax-wise, if you look at it, there's a lot of complex examples out there. But at its basic uh, level, it's actually pretty close, like scripting-wise. It was intentionally designed to look very much like a, a modern functional scripting language. Um, so if you want to write um, Python that or Swift that looks a lot like Python, it's doable. Um, you can, and then tap into those native APIs. The real thing, though, is um, uh, to to take advantage of it as a language on macOS. Um, you actually need to have like the developer tools installed at a minimum on on a Mac. Uh, so it it uh, a Python, uh, sorry, a Swift script where it's just Swift language in a text file uh, won't run on its own on a fresh out of the box Mac. Um, some people see that as something they can easily solve with installing the developer tools across a bunch of different devices. Um, me, I would just go the extra step and just compile it at that point. And if you compile it, then you don't have to worry about including anything. You've made an app. Congratulations. You 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 sort of gone the final step on there. And then when you start talking about things like uh, the privacy preferences controls that require signing information heck of a lot easier to sign an app than it is to sign a script. Uh, not that you can't do both, but there's there's gotchas in, in figuring that out, making it work, all that kind of stuff. Um, so um, in terms of if you just need a script language to just um, run a series of things, uh, one after the other, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, um, uh, uh, Python scripting language is great for that. But if you are definitely trying to do things where you are trying to interact with parts of the operating system where there is not a command line tool that you can just wrap around and you need to actually use those APIs. At this point, 
um, you know, I'm inclined to head more down like the Swift route or something like that, just because uh, the long-term upkeep is um, simpler. Uh, you can write it, compile it, ship it. You don't need to add anything to Mac OS. You won't have to bring your own Pi Objective-C with it, any of that stuff. Uh, it'll just be a, a binary and it'll be tiny. Uh, so they, they both got their pros and cons. It's basically the difference of what, what do you want long-term support to look like and what do you want, um, what do you want uh, collaboration to look like? If it's an open source project that you wanna share on GitHub with other people, um, there's a larger community of people that are writing Python than there is uh, writing Swift in the Mac admin community. So if you want big buy-in, maybe you stick with Python for now, or if you're already shipping Python to, uh, Python 3 to all of your devices or something like that. Uh, there's, right. there's, it's, it's, um, it's technical debt, <laughs> the thing that right, everybody right, fights, right? right? <laughs> so, but uh, these days, uh, you know, I like a little bit of everything. Uh, even I've been writing uh, some Golang, uh, you know, uh, Swift. Uh, I've already been doing Objective-C in Python for a long time. Um, uh, for me, it's uh, just trying out and learning new things and enjoying lots of different ways of, of uh, sort of kicking the tires on different things. Um, but uh, for anyone who is just getting into it and looking at what's the next thing for me from an investment standpoint, maybe consider trying out Swift. Give it a shot. Yeah, the playgrounds are a lot of fun. And there's a lot of resources, materials out there to, to get learning. So, Yeah, and the Swift playgrounds are available on Mac OS now, too. Uh, if you've got uh, the re relatively recent version of Catalina installed, you can go to the App Store and download Swift Playgrounds for Mac OS, not just iPad. Awesome. You do that right now. Hold on. As soon as I get a computer that can run uh, Catalina, I'll do that. Ah. <laughs> oh, details. The thing we wanted to talk about was uh, Nintendo Switch, because I know I'm always leaning on you, asking you for things. And in these desperate times, I had to lean on you more. I'm like, what Nintendo Switch games can I play with my kids? Since we just bought <laughs> one, I finally caved because I need them to do things while I work in my office. <laughs> They're real hard to come by right now. Uh, they, uh, I just saw some sales yeah. announcements where uh, apparently um, Nintendo Switch sales were up like 100%. Like they doubled of the normal business of what they do. And if you try and... Uh, get one right now um, you, you basically have to be waiting on the trigger as soon as the availability of stock comes in because they sell out in a heartbeat um, and we actually we got them yep. just before the toilet paper panic happened because we came back from objective C <laughs> altogether in Hawaii and we had to self-isolate for two weeks anyway and before everybody else and so we're like oh let's just get one we need to like survive yep. these two weeks <laughs> yeah now it's gonna be months <laughs> Yeah, we are, um, we are, uh, uh, switches. Uh, I, I grew up with Nintendo. Like that was my first console and I had the Nintendo power with dragon warrior combination pack, uh, and the original Nintendo, uh, console system when it came out. And so like kind of been a Nintendo, um, consumer console gaming nut, uh, from the start. Like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, GameCube, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Micro, DS, DS Lite, 3DS, 2DS, uh, uh, GameCube, like the whole thing. And so Switch is probably my most uh, favorite form factor. 
that Nintendo has ever put out because it is the combination of the two things that I enjoy the most from them. I really got to love um, my DS, my my 3DS from them, like having a portable gaming system from them that had a lot of power behind it. Uh, I mean, I love Game Boy form, form factor as well. I had the original Game Boy, but but the these later era Nintendo portable consoles were amazing for the quality of the game that you could get. And then they put out the Switch, and it was like two in one. You had like uh, like full blown console, like high end gaming plus portable form factor you could bring it with you and that just i just so enjoyed that form factor i actually bribed my brother uh on launch night of the nintendo switch i said if you go wait in line at the store that i knew had some limited inventory stock i didn't pre-order it uh because i was a dope uh if you go wait in line I will buy a switch for you if you hold my place for when I get off work. And uh and I did. Wow. So he, he 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 has one and and I got one and we got him launch night. Uh and I've never regretted it. Uh and um the but in this house we we I think one of the things I like most about it is that there's a ton of uh couch co-op local multiplayer games on it. Like a, a ton of them. Um, and so we play like uh, Heave Ho, Overcooked, um, Ultimate Chicken Horse, uh, uh, the Mario games, uh, the new Luigi's Mansion game came out, has local co-op. My, my daughter and I were playing, going through the mansion, sucking up ghosts and all sorts of stuff. Like there's just so many cool like co-op games in an era when multiplayer so often means competitive games where you're going head to head first person shooters and stuff like that i'm not a fan of those games i like like exploratory playful multiplayer games and stuff like that and i also happen for single player games i love like rpg style games and there's hundreds of those available on the switch so it's just it for me it's been just an amazing console to own and yeah if people are looking for recommendations on games that they can play with their family, even kid-friendly games and stuff like that. There's a ton of them that are available and I'll gladly throw recommendations out. Um, but uh, the one that we've just started playing again that just got an update is um, Super Mario Maker 2 for the Switch, which uh, uh, two days early launched uh, a new update that includes the ability, previously, if you're not familiar with the game, it's the ability to take content from the whole past library of Mario games that Nintendo has made and build your own levels with it and then share the levels with other people. And uh, Super Mario Maker 2, with this new update, now added the ability to stitch those levels together into a world. So if you're familiar with a game like Super Mario World, where there's a overworld with a path that you follow and choose what levels you want to play, they just added that in and a whole new set of content to it. So my kids, of course, have gone nuts. I've already played a couple worlds that they've built. Uh, you know, they put together a bunch of levels and stuff like that. And it's really fun. It's really cool. I got a Wii a couple of years ago because my girls would go and hang out with other girls and they just wanted to play Just Dance. So they would dance oh, yeah. all the time. <laughs> that was the only game we had. And it came with Super Mario Kart, I think. Or, and we never played it. And then one day we finally started playing it. I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of other cool, fun Nintendo games that we have not dipped into but now with a switch we're 
we're happily playing all these family games and I love this whole co-op and this playing games together. I mean, I was a little shocked and surprised that my older daughter was playing Overwatch and all these like first person action games that I may have played when, if they were out, you know, when I was younger, you know, the whole Quake 3 Unreal Tournament type thing. But it's, it's nice to have a game where you can play with your whole family and sit on the couch or, you know, those little, little, I think there was a Mario Super Party or something like that where you lots of little quick games and it's definitely, people start laughing right away. I mentioned two of them earlier, but if you want games that are literally um, side splitter, you'll, you'll be busting a gut about how funny what's going on on the screen is. Um, Heave Ho and um, Ultimate Chicken Horse are um, uh, cooperative competitive in that you're all supposed to be, in, in Heave Ho, you're all working together. In Ultimate Chicken Horse, you're technically working against each other. But the way that it works out in both situations, the controls are um, very uh, tight and specific, and uh, it you end up dying a lot <laughs> in both of the games in very hilarious ways. And you end up, uh, there's a lot of, um, uh, when uh, Lynn and I were playing the Mario games, uh, the new Super Mario Brothers games, they also have a co-op mode. We called it divorce mode, uh, where you would uh, in, accidentally or accidentally, uh, air quotes, um, oops, I'm sorry I killed your character. I, didn't, I don't know how that happened. Um, that happens a lot in these games as well, and it's very enjoyable. Um, and it, both games are totally uh, suitable for kids uh, and uh, up to four players simultaneous. And man, we do not stop laughing when we play those games. They're, they're on high rotation uh, whenever it's uh, time for like a family game time. Or something. Definitely always uh, good to laugh and we need to laugh more than ever. <laughs> Definitely. But I'm going to look at Nintendo switch prices after this so. <laughs> <laughs> so just a heads up on the nintendo switch stuff there's two different nintendo switches there's the light and there's the not light the original nintendo switch the main difference between the two is aside from the light being a hundred dollars cheaper than the the regular uh switch is that the regular switch can be hooked up to a tv has hdmi out has a little dock um and the light does not have that capability uh, on top of that um, the original Switch, the controllers, the jo they're called Joy-Cons, they, they disconnect. Um, on the light, they are actually part of the whole device. Um, uh, and so uh, depending on uh, if you're planning on playing with multiple people or something like yeah. that, yeah, the, the, um, the original Switch may be more uh, something to go for so that you can dock it, grab the controls, sit down on your couch and play. Uh, and watch it on a TV or something like that. Um, but that they all play in this climate. <laughs> they all play That's the cool. same games, uh, so <laughs> don't worry about the. From a gaming standpoint, either of them's fine. It's just how how you play the games is is what the difference between the two. I haven't had a Nintendo system since I think we actually. It's been a while. So. Uh, just dance. Um, actually, I used to play like the Mario Galaxy game yes. all the time. It's so Those awesome. Those are good games. Oh, it's such a good one. And I like got uh, a little nostalgia when you were talking about it. 
Mario Odyssey is the equivalent for that on the Switch, and it is an insane game. It's really cool. I gotta get that for sure. I want some games. I barely uh, played games. I played had an Atari Twenty Six Hundred growing up, and my friends had an NES and then Super NES. So we spent a lot of time on Super Mario Brothers. See, uh, you were like you were like the friends that I had that were uh, in the cul-de-sac up down the street. They they were the ones that had the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. We were that the Nintendo household. So right. that that's how that worked out. Yeah. So. I had uh, uh, yeah. a lot of time spent with my Coleco, and I beat the high score. Oh, and ColecoVision was amazing. 16-bit graphics. The controller was so wild. Weird. <laughs> like, like a phone kind of knob. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It's mm. horrible. It's terrible, but, you know, just jumping over barrels at Donkey Kong. and Yes, a lot of misspent <laughs> youths. Uh, I didn't anyway. have Nintendo games like my entire life because I I had like the Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy SP. Um, I think that was all of the portable systems I had. She's naming them off because they're on the shelf in front of her, right? <laughs> they're actually like... at my parents' house. I oh. still have them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kept all of them. Isolate with them. Yeah. The games. Not yeah, mine are upstairs. Um, I, yeah, I, I think the only Nintendo console that I did not end up getting was the, um, the Virtual Boy with the red goggle things, the, yeah. the original 3D system that they did. And then uh, I did not own a Game Boy uh, Pocket or a Game Boy SP, um, but I did own the original Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Micro which is the sweetest limited edition system. So sweet. I still have mine. Um, that I thing pulled out my PS2 out of my uh, closet oh, yeah. and hooked up my Tony Hawk game, and I was playing Tony Hawk. Only, <laughs> only non, the PlayStation 2 is probably the only non-Nintendo console I've ever owned. Uh, where can we find you on the internet, Michael Lynn? These days, um, definitely at, uh, on Twitter, uh, Mikey Mikey. Um, and then I have been a longtime member of and still a big fan and active uh, member on the Mac Admin Slack, uh, uh, macadmins.org. Um, and I go by Frogger there, F R O G O R. And uh, yeah, say hi. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, following a ton of people on the Mac Admins community in general. So I've got my sort of ear to the ground and sort of what things are going on. In the, I am not afraid of speaking up on things. So um, if I if you don't run into me, I might run into you first. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely reach out and say hi at either of those locations. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. I always look forward to your Nintendo Switch family game recommendations, your Minecraft tips, and your animal zoo visits. Virtual. <laughs> Absolutely. Kind of mystery. The Python Sun God. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I want to thank our amazing sponsors for Mac DevOps YVR 2020. Uh, we couldn't do it without your help and support. Our platinum sponsor, Mac Stadium, thank you so much. You helped us last year. You're helping us this year. You're just amazing people to work with.
our gold sponsor, Sauce Labs from Vancouver. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, your support means a lot to us. And uh, Simple MDM, our silver sponsor this year. Every year you've been sponsoring us. Uh, thank you so much. Huge shout out to all three. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests and co-hosts. Mac DevOps podcast is a brainchild of Matt X and Chris Johnson. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. Well, this is the most uh, poking at tech we've ever done. So thank you.